It's him. We've been praying for him for years. (laughs) Who's this mysterious woman with him? You know, and I I can just picture that that charged environment that they're they're (laughs) trying not to be charged, but they can't help it. You know. (laughs) Hey, everybody! Welcome back to Fearless with Mark and Amber, the intersection of faith, family, and filmmaking. I'm your co-host Amber Archer, and with me today is, as usual, is my husband Mark, Mixmaster Mark, Mixmaster Mark, DJ Amber. <laughs> oh my goodness. So you guys, this is a husband and wife podcast. With two turntables and a microphone. Oh my gosh. Get out of here. <laughs> Can't even get through the intro. Thank you for joining us if you are just joining us. That's where it's at. <laughs> We're going to get to the program. We're in yeah, we'll part get there two. This is part two. I got to lay down some tracks on some hot wax. Let's go. What? <laughs> you guys, I... I can't. Let's um, let's get to the program. I'm Scott Comp, and I want to point out that today's subject on life and faith in Indiana may not be suitable for all listeners. I'm speaking for the second week in a row with Mark and Amber Archer of Fearless Features. They have produced the film Inwood Drive, which was all about itinerant abortionist Dr. Ulrich George Klopper, who eventually got shut down in Indiana and all about the process. This is how you shut down (laughs) an abortion provider. Their current project is the Mind Polluters, which has to do with the over-sexualization, particularly among kids in the education system in America, Mm -hmm. sometimes in Christian schools. Now, that's not our main topic for today, but there will be other things that might be a bit unpleasant. First of all, remind people how they can get in and and find more information about your films. You can visit fearlessfeatures.org and you can learn everything about our filmmaking ministry there. Okay. Meanwhile, let me welcome you both back to the Mm -hmm. program. We were talking about how you met, kind of the tangled path that was your, were your respective lives. You both at that point, distant from the Lord. Mm -hmm. And I want to remind people that you met in a strip club. Amber, you were working there. Mark, you were a patron. Mark, you were a believer who was running from the Lord. Amber, you were at this point probably still a non-believer. Right. I was I was not saved at this point. But you were curious. Right. So you were kind of moving in opposite directions <laughs> and you collided with each other. Mm-hmm. I, and I want to remind people as well, Amber, you had experienced a horrific accident as a result of or an indirect result of alcohol and drug abuse and hanging around with that crowd. Right. Mark, you had gone through a humiliating divorce. Mm-hmm. One th- detail I don't think we shared last time was we did share that. I think that your wife had been cheating on you, Mm -hmm. but she had been cheating on you and left you for your business partner at the time. That's right. So it was very humiliating. That's a painful thing. Yeah, yeah, and painful. It's kind of a double betrayal, two people stabbing you in the back. Mm -hmm. So you were both at a pretty low point and you end up there in the club. And this wasn't even your normal shift, was it? No, it wasn't. I I was usually working during the day and um, they had asked me to fill in a night shift and... That's when I met this guy. (laughs) Avoided him. Didn't even know he was there. (laughs) So, Mark, did you find it difficult to talk to her or was it easier in that environment? Well, uh, you know, in that environment, there's a lot of a lot of inhibitions that go away. Ah. You know, when we talk about having the alcohol and the music and just the setting, I was not afraid to talk to anybody when I was in there. Mm. So. He did look very handsome. (laughs) Came in with a suit on, I remember. (laughs) But that probably didn't matter to you that much at that point because of this impression. I saw it all the time. Yeah, because of what you had seen, the the 
way men were acting towards women in that environment and how that had colored just your general impression of men yes. overall. Mm-hmm. So you probably only spoke to him because you had to. Well, because I was a paying customer. In the film industry, you're in the marketing business. And in marketing, that means sales. And you just have to get good at talking to people. So (laughs) I was not afraid. I'm not afraid to talk to anybody. And in this case, I saw the most beautiful woman in the world. And I said, I got to talk to her. And And, uh, in my case... What he just described about marketing is exactly what every one of us are thinking. I mean, I hate to break it to the guys who are going in there, but, you know, we just want what's in your wallet. We don't really care what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) But you did end up establishing, I don't know if you want to say a friendship or an association. We exchanged emails. I think it was fun talking to him. And I, I know, asked her out that night, pretty much. But. He he did. And, and we exchanged emails. And I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. You know, <laughs> there's another one. <laughs> and she ignored me for a while. Yeah, I think he... Close to a month. He was going to take me out on a date, as I recall, and come and pick me up from work. And I left... <laughs> early she would ditch me all the time Uh, yeah come and pick me up and then then i'd go oh no she left two hours ago (laughs) (laughs) because you just avoid people you know you know you just try and get rid of people i didn't i really didn't have the heart to say you know i don't really care don't really want to go out with you just give me your money (laughs) (laughs) i was persistent though yeah so what changed i got off of work one night and we had spoke on the phone a few times And I, it was really late and I just, I thought, I'm just going to shoot this guy an email. I'm finally, let's just go have a face-to-face conversation. And so I sent him an email. It was really late. And then he responded back (laughs) right away. And I thought, why are you even up? (laughs) Because I heard my computer in the other room go ding. And I thought, oh, email. I wasn't asleep yet. Yeah. So I I had just gotten to my apartment and and I said, you know, well, let me get cleaned up and we'll go meet and have a drink. And so that's, and we did. And yeah, and had a plate of nachos together and <laughs> talked about life. And I'm it was about life. very non-confrontational. Yeah. Now you were already attending church at this point, Amber. Yes, I was attending the church at the movie theater. Okay. And the people there were just so welcoming. And I think the thing is, they had invited me uh, one afternoon out to lunch, and. I was so fearful to go because I thought these people are going to know because I lied. Every time somebody asked me what I did, I lied. And I just, I hated the fact that I was always trying to cover up who I was and what I did. I just knew inherently what I was doing was wrong. And so to be around all of these Christian people, I thought, oh my gosh, they're going to ask me what I do. How am I going to explain myself? And you probably saw them the way people see you now. These these pre-packaged, they've always had this cushy life. They've always been good little people. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> yes, you see, ever wonder what some of their backstories were? I ask. I ask, <laughs> I, I ask people today. I always ask, so how'd you come to the Lord? You know, and how long have you walked with the Lord? I mean, because I know that there's a story and everybody has a story. Now, Mark, at this same point, you probably thought you're done with church. Oh, yeah. Done with church <laughs> yeah, I, I have been done with church for a while. And uh, then we uh, started having conversations and she said that she really wanted to go to church. You were living together at this mm-hmm. point? Yes, mm-hmm. you, you'd end up moving in together. Right. Yes. Not a, one of my better decisions again. <laughs> I still was not making good decisions uh, in general, but we had moved in together. And I, I'll never forget, I was out of town and she had moved in and I came home and there was a Bible on the coffee table. Mm. 
And that was the first thing that I noticed. And then within a few days, she started talking about wanting to go to church. And oh, man. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was uh, okay. So we, and I didn't want to go back to the church that I grew up at. And so we kind of hunted around and went a few places here and there. And then within a few months, we ended up back at my home church. And we walked in and didn't, we came in late and we didn't know exactly where to go. We didn't want to go into the service yet. And so we're at the information desk and it had been a while since I had even been into my own home church. So Mm -hmm. I didn't really know where anything was anymore. And we were getting ready to leave. Yeah, I was terrified. I yeah. thought, I can't even go through with it. Like, it's, there's just a lot of baggage. Yeah. Broken people, and people need to understand, broken people come in and they are really hurting and they are carrying such a load with them that it is shameful. And that shame continued to just bubble up as we stood there. Mm. And I said, I can't go through with this. I can't go. I don't want to go to a class. Let's just go. And this is a big church, too. It is Mm -hmm. a big church. I was carrying a lot of shame, too, because this is where I grew up. And people knew me as the good kid who kind of went bad. We don't know what happened to him, but he's kind of flirting with the devil. (laughs) And then you knew that at some point the conversation was going to come up. Oh, so where did you meet? And you were going to have to deal with this elephant in the room to say, well, we met at a bar. Out one yeah. night. We, that's what we, we, for a long time, we said at a bar. Right. Right. A local watering hole. We're like, yeah. please don't ask me any more details. Right. So she was carrying her shame and I was carrying my shame because I didn't want to admit to these people that knew me since I was little what I had done and what the life that I had been living. But anyway, we ended up, uh, we settled on going to a Sunday school class that my uh, that my dad teaches. And that's where we went in. And it's funny because it's a class of older adults, let's say, mostly retirees. And mm-hmm. we went in there and, and probably a lot of them knew you and a lot. Many of them knew me. Yes. And it was <gasps> It's him. We've been (laughs) praying for him for years. (laughs) Who's this mysterious woman with him? You know, and I I can just picture that that charged environment that they're they're (laughs) trying not to be charged, but they can't help it. You know, (laughs) but then that's basically where we where we settled in, and we We and we never left. (laughs) And thankfully, the you know the Lord's hand was in it because. We got the gospel unfiltered for years and we were around mature Christians who mm-hmm. had lived life and were not judgmental. And they, they just took us in because my dad was teaching, my mom was in the class, all of these family friends, and they just brought us in and welcomed us. So at some point, Amber, you had to make the decision to come to the Lord, turn your life over to him. Mm-hmm. Mark, you had to make the decision to come back to the Lord, yeah. surrender your life to him again, if you will. Not trying to get into the theological weeds there, but that idea, can you walk us through that at all? It wasn't very long. I think it was probably the second or third Sunday school class that we went to and the deacon of the class got up and I just remember him saying, if there's anyone here who knows you not as Lord and Savior, I pray they come to you before it's eternally too late. And I don't think I heard anything that the teacher, his dad said the rest of the morning. I was this word eternally too late. Oh, wow. (laughs) Continued to resonate in my mind. And I just sat there and I was just kind of struck. 
And I thought, what in the world? How do I know? Like, I, it was almost a sense of panic and urgency. And I thought, I need to figure this out. Like, what in the world does this mean? And so we left and went home and we talked about it. We had prayed about it. And he said, well, do you want to go over? And it, this was after church had ended. And so he said, you want to go over and talk to my mom and dad about it? And I said, sure, let's go back and finish this conversation because I, I, have, a, I have a lot of questions. Oh, wow. So we went over and they so graciously sat down and told me everything that I wanted to know, walked me through the gospel and salvation. And they said, would you like to pray right now? And I was so scared. And I don't know what held me back at that moment. I don't know if it was embarrassment. I think it was because I just remember feeling like, here I am, I'm 25 years old. Why do I not know these things? Yeah. How is this the first time that I'm hearing this? And I think that added even more shame and embarrassment to my situation. So I just tell everybody, don't be embarrassed, accept the Lord. Today is the day of yeah. salvation. Um, but we went home and went to our basement because we had moved into a house after the apartment and sat in the basement and cried. And I just poured my heart out to the Lord and just asked for forgiveness. I mean, that's all you can do. Mm -hmm. And it, it was such a relief and so relieving to know that eternity was secure. I'm Scott Kump, and this is the second week in a row that I've been speaking with Mark and Amber Archer. They're filmmakers with fearless features. You know them from films such as The Mind Polluters and Inwood Drive. But we're learning more about their backstory today. And we've talked a lot about their backgrounds and being trapped in pornography or substance abuse, meeting in a strip club, cohabitating before marriage, everything. But they ended up in church. Amber ended up accepting the Lord in the basement of the house that they were in. So, Mark, where were you spiritually at this point? You know, within moments of. Amen. <laughs> I felt physically hot. I felt the Lord shining the spotlight on me and that feeling of, okay, now I'm in trouble. Yeah. And that was the Lord saying, now, Mark, you're coming with me to the woodshed. <laughs> and that's really where the process started for me because I knew in that moment that the Lord was saying, because she and I were engaged at this point. So Remember, I said I was really good at bad decisions. Yeah. I'd come off of multiple terrible relationships, and then I got engaged to a girl who wasn't a believer. <laughs> <laughs> and the Lord intervened. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, this one's mine. And, ah. and then he turned to me and said, now we're going to work on you. Hmm. And I mean it. So it began a, a process for me of, and there were a lot of things that I had to deal with just in making amends for things, people that I had turned my back on and things like that. But then for the two of us, it was literally the next morning. And I remember we got up and, and she was making breakfast. I remember looking at her and she looked different. Mm. There was something physically different about her. She looked like a different person. And I, I just kept looking, thinking she's 10 times more beautiful this morning than she was yesterday. I don't understand. She was just this different person. There was a physical change there. And I realized how the Lord's grace had been showered down on me. And I was so undeserving because he said, okay, if you're going to marry her, she's going to be a believer. And now you need to lead your marriage like a Christian man should. And that starts by you submitting 
to me. Yeah, I think you look at your relate as a man, you look at your relationship differently when you accept that this woman belongs to the Lord first. So was there a thought process with either or both of you of there needs to be a change of vocation of struggling with, okay, we've struggled with these patterns of sin for so long. Mm -hmm. How do we overcome that? I'm I'm just kind of curious as to what the growth has been. We very quickly started to plan our wedding. Oh, it, yeah. was, it was like the next day. It was a priority. We had kind of yeah. been putting it off and we said, all right, let's just, we need to get this done. Let's just get this taken care of, get this done. And so we, you know, it took us a few days, but we got it scheduled. Yeah. And we said, and you know, six months later, we were married. Six months later, we, <laughs> we made ourselves an honest couple. <laughs> <laughs> The change uh, was gradual in some things, but fairly immediate in others. Mm -hmm. And it was definitely one of the things that we started doing right away was we would get up in the morning together and we would read scripture together. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we have continued to this day. We we get up really early, sometimes 3, 3.30 in the morning, and we will sit and have our coffee and read scripture together and pray together. Mm -hmm. And that is been an essential part of our marriage staying strong and growing together in Christ. I'm glad you brought that up because, and I'm not dismissing the need for counseling or psychological help or anything like that, especially when you're dealing with chemical issues, chemical addictions and that sort of thing. But there is a diligence that's required. Sin Mm -hmm. has 101 back doors they can use to creep into your life. And, you know, we all need that diligence of Bible study, of prayer, of fellowship with believers, et cetera, et cetera. Or you can very easily slip back into those old patterns. Yeah. And it was there were several major elements to us growing together in Christ. Number one was us as husband and wife reading scriptures together every morning, praying together every morning and being plugged into a Sunday school class or, you know, a church environment on a regular basis where scriptures were taught expositionally. Yeah. Very methodically, very carefully. And we asked a lot of questions and we both would take copious amounts of notes. We still do. And when there was something that we didn't understand, we would ask questions. And then afterward we would, of course, cause it was my dad. And so, <laughs> so then we would ask questions. Sunday night dinner. And so yeah. then dinner on Sunday night, we would go over and we would ask more questions mm-hmm. and it continued that way. And now you have three daughters. We yes. do. <laughs> and that you've been growing up in the instruction of the Lord. Mm-hmm. I, I, I hope. And now you're filmmakers it wasn't exactly for you, Mark, a change of vocation, but maybe a change of focus. It was definitely a change of focus. Mm-hmm. I, I actually went through when one of the things that the Lord had to deal with me on was the way that I had lived my life and tried to manage my own career. Mm. And a lot of the success that I had early on were for films that I did that were big commercial successes, but they were intensely displeasing to the Lord. And I realized that I was denying that and I was carrying a lot of shame about those things that I had done that my, you know, that I had proudly put my name on. Oh, yeah. So, you know, the, the project that I was most known for that I had won the Sundance film festival for was a film that was so vulgar and so just disgusting. The, the plot line, everything was so disgusting that I didn't even want people to watch it anymore. 
And I actually went through kind of a late midlife crisis where I quit. I walked away from filmmaking completely for three and a half years. I sold all my equipment. I shut down my production company and I quit and I went back to school because I had dropped out of school early on, you know, in my late teens, early 20s. So I went back to school and the Lord provided for us to be able to live while I was going back to school. And I Believe it or not, I finished my degree in mechanical engineering. Oh, really? And I thought this is going to be, I'm leaving that life behind and I'm going to make a fresh start here. But as the Lord would have it, I couldn't find even an internship. <laughs> and I had come to realize towards the end of it I, that while I, I had really applied myself, I didn't really dream of being an engineer. I could do the work, but it wasn't my passion. And what I really wanted to do was make movies again. And it was very difficult for both of us because we thought, what in the world is going on here? But And there's a whole, there's a whole other story there of kind of how that all came about. But the Lord called me back into production. And, and interestingly enough, I was working a summer job driving deliveries. And I was having this, you know, when you're driving a delivery truck, you have a lot of <laughs> meditation time staring out the window. I had this conversation with the Lord and I, I had just thought, there is no way that you are calling me back to this. I left all this behind, Lord. I left this behind for good reason. For good reason. Mm -hmm. And I remember stopping and crying out to him, getting on my knees in the back of that van and saying, Lord, I don't know what's going on here, but if this is of you and if this is what you want me to do, I will do this on one condition that I will only do this for you because I know I don't want to go back to Nineveh. For me, that was Nineveh. <laughs> do not send me back there because I can't do that anymore. I, I walked away from that. And I said, you know, if this is of you, then I... I will commit to only doing films that are guided and directed by you. And that's where I came up with the idea for Inwood Drive on that drive. And I oh. said, this would be the film that I would start off with, Lord, you know, if you would direct us that way. And it was a few years later, but mm -hmm. then there we are. Yeah. Well, I want to take the remaining time of our discussion today and talk about your current project, which is the Mind Polluters, which is still in production. You're also still raising funds for that. And by the way, if people want to check out more details about that, they can go to fearlessfeatures.org. And the reason that I want to wrap up by talking about that is it does tie into what we've been talking about these two weeks, the sexualization of America. Mark, you experienced that to a certain degree in the film industry. Mm -hmm. Amber, you experienced that in the strip clubs. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't start there. It starts with the children and, you know, it comes out of the educational system. Can you just give me a bird's eye view of, of that? You know, it first came to our attention actually watching an episode of Glenn Beck, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. and, and he did an, a show where he was talking about this comprehensive sexuality education. And when we had finished Inwood Drive and there's that time it's like postpartum depression. You, you've delivered the child. You've, you've put it out there and it's now on its own and you're going, well, now what are we going to do? And it didn't take long. I think we both knew that it was going to have something to do with pornography. Mm. We weren't sure how that was going to work because that's a broad subject, but because it's something that we both came out of and are very passionate. We talk about being uniquely equipped because when you see people that have an intense passion for something, 
there's always a reason. Mm -hmm. And we're both intensely passionate about this because she was affected by it. I was affected by it. And we, when the Lord gets a hold of your life and shakes that loose from you and you see it for what it is and you're just on fire and you just think, I have to save other people from this. Don't do what I did. Please don't do what I did. And when people ask for career advice, I say, don't do what I did. (laughs) I can tell you all the wrong ways to do this. You know, start by following the Lord and he will direct your paths. There is no reason in the world why we were able to get in what drive done. We didn't have any money. There's no reason in the world why we've managed to get as far as we have with the mind polluters because we don't have any money. But we, we managed to keep getting it done and the Lord keeps providing. And so... The passion that we have for it is because we were both in it and we know how deadly it is. Amber, I kind of want to give you the final word because we've talked a lot about things that people shouldn't do and the horrors of the life that you came out of. Mm -hmm. But we did touch real briefly on that redemptive aspect of it. And I'd really like to end with that. Tell me what Christ did for you. Set me free. Scott, you're going to make me cry. (laughs) There were so many things. I think people, you get so stuck and you don't realize. And I think the Lord so sets you free. You think that you can't overcome something. And I'm here to tell you that you can with the Lord. You think that you're trapped in an addiction or a mental state of depression. You don't need to be. Seek the Lord. Get your Bible out. Read your Bible. I'm telling you. Daily meditation in scripture has been so wonderful for my walk with the Mm -hmm. Lord. And, you know, having my husband to sit down and read with every day. I mean, iron sharpens iron. I mean, just because we're husband and wife, (laughs) iron sharpens (laughs) iron. And we both have an opinion about things. And, you know, but we're there to bounce these ideas of what does this mean and search further in scriptures to unpack these things. But the Lord will set you free. And I just, eternal security, you don't know. Well, just one last reminder, in order for people to hear more about the story from your podcast or other things from the podcast about filmmaking and the research uh, or to find out about your films or the companion book to Inwood Drive, what do they do? You can visit fearlessfeatures.org. That's where you can search the archives for the podcast and check out all the films and how you can donate. Mark and Amber Archer, always so glad to have you here in the studio. Thank Thank you you so much. Thank you guys for sticking around to the end. That's all the time we have for today. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry, Fearless Features, you can visit fearlessfeatures.org. It's also where you can search the archives if you've missed any of the previous episodes. We thank you for being here. Have a wonderfully blessed day. We will talk to you again on Tuesday. Tuesday.